Welcome to a special edition of TFL's Capital Connection. Just a little while ago, we had a special election called a primary in the state of Iowa. And for the family leader, we get involved in primaries when there's a reason to get involved in primaries, when our issues are at stake. Matter of fact, sometimes we get complaints about, is this the best we have in a general election, these two candidates? Well, the primaries really determine the candidates that we have in the general election. And so this year was a little bit unprecedented, but we went into six races uh, to make sure that we would get candidates that were pro-family, pro-religious liberty, pro-parental choice, pro-life, that they would be have a chance to be elected in the general election. And adding to our team to really put a focus on these elections is this guy you probably haven't seen before, Josiah Olson. Uh, we brought him on to the family or team specifically to say we want to focus on these elections. And Josiah and his team just did an outstanding job. And I'm thrilled to let you know that we went 6-0 and on primary night. But Josiah, let me turn to you. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, many kudos to you. But what's your 30,000-foot view thoughts as a takeaway from primary night on June 7? I mean, I would say the, the biggest takeaway that I saw is that, you know, a lot of these uh, incumbents that lost or these moderates that lost in these races where we were able to get these strong Christian conservatives across the finish line, a lot of them would talk a good talk. And so what we saw last Tuesday night was the fact that uh, the people of Iowa aren't going to settle for just good talk anymore. They, they want action from their legislators, a- action on these uh, you know, issues that we as Christian conservatives care about, uh, protecting the unborn and school choice. I think it's always interesting is that uh, you go to the chicken dinner in whatever county it is, and every candidate's pro-life. And every candidate's for school choice, for Deuteronomy 6, for parents raising and nurturing their children. But then somehow they get to Des Moines and it becomes more about re-election. And what we did is we reminded the people in these districts that, listen, they're, they're being one thing at home and another thing when they're in Des Moines. So how did that play out on the ground when you guys were door knocking? How did that play out in, in some of these races? I mean, so particularly in several of the races, we would discuss that, uh, you know, the candidate would say one thing, but you could look at their voting record and see they voted another way. You know, especially with our candidates, we would discuss how these are people that, in and of, you know, they're principled. They are not interested in just running for re-election. And one of them, and I'll give a shout out in particular, is Helena Hayes, mm. someone who wasn't involved in politics prior to this. And is not running for a career, is not running to just be a legislator, but is running because she's seen the things that are going on and actually wants to make a difference and is going to go champion the issues that matter to parents right now. And we're seeing more and more Helena Hayes-type campaigns across the country. And these are moms who have reached their Popeye moment, so to speak, like, this stuff's in my school? You know, how can we allow this stuff to be in the school? Why don't parents have real choice in education? And she rose up and said, listen, if if our guy, in this case, Dustin Height, is not going to champion these issues, then I'm going to rise up and be a candidate against Dustin Height. And a lot of people didn't think Helena Hayes had a shot. What do you think put her over the top? That was a close race, but she ended up winning, was it 52 48? 57 43. 57 43. Late break. Late break. Uh, I mean, so a big part of it was obviously Governor Kim Reynolds came in and 
right at the 11th hour with the endorsement. But I really do think that that doesn't occur without several factors, and that is the grassroots with Helena's campaign and just citizens in, the, in, those, in that district working hard on their own word of mouth. But also the family leader, you know, we built out a, a team of canvassers, and we went in there and we knocked literally thousands of doors and talked to, you know, over a thousand voters, made thousands of phone calls and communicated with so many voters, just letting people know who Helena was and what she stood for. So that way nobody was going to the ballot box and looking at that, uh, at that line and, and asking themselves who Helena Hayes was because they knew who she was. I thought it was interesting. I talked to some of the door knockers, and they felt like they were taking up residence in, in that area. <laughs> they, they, had, they knew the homes. They knew the homes that they were going to. Uh, but the feedback from the door knockers was like, we have a shot here. Uh, we have a real shot because people are kind of frustrated with politics as usual, specifically on the life issue. And we took out two uh, pro-abortion uh, incumbents with two pro-life legislators. Uh, talk about those races, the Dean Fisher race and the Steve Bradley race. I mean, so particularly in the Steve Bradley race, uh, his opponent, uh, Representative Lee Hine, w- would insist that he was pro-life, would uh, tell a story about a, a family abortion. And, you know, we went, we went hard on that issue and talked a lot that, you know, you can call yourself pro-life all you want, but at the end of the day, if your voting record doesn't match up. If you're not voting for heartbeat, if you're not voting for the Protect Life Amendment, how are you saying you're pro-life? It simply didn't match up. Uh, in, Dave Maxwell uh, didn't make that I was aware of any claims that he was pro-life, but so many people in both of those districts had no idea, simply no understanding of how their representatives had voted on this issue, particularly in the Dave Maxwell race, for example. I spoke to someone who uh, said they knew Dave personally and thought that Dave was pro-life and thought David voted pro-life and had no, no idea at all that he had voted against the 20-week bill the heartbeat bill, and the Protect Life Amendment. And just so many voters are sadly low information. But, you know, what we were able to do as an organization uh, through the, you know, because of the generosity of the donors, we were able to come in with, with mailers. We were able to knock doors, make phone calls. And, again, I don't think there was very many voters in any of those districts who went to that ballot box not knowing that there was a clear choice between a pro-abortion and a pro-life candidate. And because of that, both of the pro-life candidates won. So in those three races in particular, whether it be Dean Fisher or Steve Bradley or Helena Hayes, we always say we want people, when they go to the polls, we want them to be educated. Mm-hmm. And what the family leader did is we helped educate the voters. And that's through the generosity of donors. We couldn't do this without the generosity of donors. And then a great team helping to message correctly. And then people who just door knocked and door, even our own Chuck Hurley was out there door knocking and door knocking and door knocking. Uh, but a few of the other races, uh, Skylar Wheeler uh, ran against a really good candidate uh, in, in Zylstra. And it's, we didn't have anything really against Zylstra. As a matter of fact, I think he's right on a lot of the issues and I hope he stays involved in the political process and maybe runs again one day. But Skylar has been a champion on a lot of our issues. And so, um, again, we played probably not as heavy in that race, but we did do an endorsement. We did do some robocalls. Skylar's coming back. What can you say about that race? I mean, I think you know, it would have been a really a disappointment on the evening if Skylar had, had not won re-election because he's been someone who, you know, he's, he's what we hope Helena Hayes turns out to be, right? Someone sure. who goes up there, champions our issues, fights for them. And hopefully, you know, Skyler uh, is vice chair of education, and you know, with the removal of Dustin Height, hopefully we can see Skyler move up in that committee 
and we can get some strong school choice done, and we can get some legislation passed to deal with these materials that are in the schools. And then we, we had another candidate, Zach Deacon, way up in northwest Iowa, and Zach Deacon was running against an incumbent, Dennis Bush, as well. And again, we just saw Zach as being one of those who we believe will be a Skylar Wheeler type, who will be a leader on our issues. He comes from us, not to us. And again, that was a big win, and, and Zach kind of blew that one out of the water. Uh, so tell us about the Zach Deacon race. I mean, Zach's a phenomenal guy, strong Christian conservative, and I mean, we're going to be we're going to be way better with him at the state house. I I think we I have high I personally have high expectations to see what what a, kind of a leader he is at the state house. And again, that's another race where Governor Reynolds' endorsement uh, probably helped make a big difference. You know, and then the, the other race we wanted to point out is Elena Stoltenberg. Uh, she is definitely not least, although we're mentioning her last. Uh, Luana has been part of the uh, Sanctity of Human Life Pro-Life Coalition. Uh, we've known Luana in this ministry for a long time. We are looking for her to be elected in November because we think she'll just be a champion on all of our issues. Uh, real quick, how, how important was it? I mean, we mentioned Governor Reynolds a little bit. How important was Governor Reynolds unprecedentedly for an incumbent governor to take and weigh in on some of these primaries, which honestly gave us great air cover to everything that we were doing on the ground. Absolutely. People love a winning cause. And, you know, we all might like, oh, we, we like the idea of the underdog. But at the end of the day, we want to be the winner. And with Governor Reynolds coming in and, as you put it, you know, providing this air cover, you go from being the underdog to an acceptable cause yeah. and possibly even the favorite. And particularly in the you know the Zach Deacon race, the Skyler Wheeler race, and you know the Lena Hayes race, obviously it helped put us over the top. Uh, it changed us from being the underdog, maybe the outsider, the rebel, to uh, the winning coalition. The, the winning coalition, and obviously we are big fans of Governor Kim Reynolds. We want to see her reelected this November as well. But I think the key takeaway with Governor Kim Reynolds is that she just doesn't want to hold the office. She actually wants to get things done, and she knows she needs leadership in the House and in the Senate to help her get things done. So she was willing to weigh in, put her political capital at stake, tell you we're looking for more leaders like Governor Kim Reynolds. And we're going to be celebrating Governor Kim Reynolds as well as the, a lot of these other candidates who won and other key legislators for our cause at our annual Family Leadership Summit, which will be held July 15. Anchored by keynote speakers Dr. Tony Evans on the biblical worldview, being a kingdom citizen, and then Tucker Carlson on leadership application. And Tucker, obviously from Fox News, but he's got a real story to tell. It is a summit you will not want to miss. Tickets are going fast. This will be sold out before you know it. If you don't have your tickets yet, I highly encourage you, get your tickets now. And probably to close this up, put a loop or put a bow on this, Josiah, we want to thank the donors. We want to thank the activists. We want to thank all those prayer warriors who are praying for these elections. But we also want to thank you, your leadership, the team you assembled. Uh, just tell us a little bit about just about the team that was assembled and why this made it such a fun night on June 7. I mean, so we had uh, a number of college-age kids that came on staff to help us out, and they all all did phenomenal work. And, you know, we had volunteers that came in. I, you know, won't, won't name names because I won't be able to name them sure. all, but, you know, we had volunteers who knocked doors for days, made phone calls for hours, people who were just willing to do anything they could 
And it really took it really took everybody to get to get us across the finish line here. And you know, together we can we can do these things. And you know, obviously, all glory to God. You know, except uh, the Lord build the house, the labor of labors in vain. And you know, the Lord was you know blessed our efforts in this case. And I trust that if we you know go forward into November and continue working, I, I trust He'll bless our efforts there as well. It was so much fun for Darla and I to be in our war room here at the family leader watching the results come in. And to see the age variety all the way from a 14-year-old who was making phone calls all the way, say, to our own Danny Carroll, Chuck Hurley, Darla and I in the room, older people, veterans in the process. But everybody came together to make this happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's put them over the finish line this November. We're going to keep you updated on how to do that. Make sure you get to the Family Leadership Summit. And while you're there, thank those candidates for putting their name on the line when it came to a ballot. And thank Governor Kim Reynolds for her leadership. Until next time, this was a special edition of TFL's Capital Connection. This podcast is a project of the Family Leader and the Family Leader Foundation and is only possible through the generous support of our donors. If you would like to partner with us in our work, please visit thefamilyleader.com slash donate.